Hi there, and welcome to Fantasy for the Ages, the show where father and son sit down and talk about fantasy books. I'm the son of that equation, Zach. And I'm the father, Jim. Great to see you with us here again today. Now, excitingly, as we begin, a new book of The Wheel of Time. We're finally moving on to book six, Lord of Chaos, today, and we've got some doozy of content for you. But man, Zach, it feels like, I don't know, forever since we've recorded together. I don't know if it's really been that long, but it just feels like it. How you doing? I mean, I'm all right. It's been a little while. We've been busy here and there. We have a couple of things either that we've kind of recorded ahead of time in the past, or we will be recording ahead of time now, because I, I know you're very busy this time of year. But so no, busy. it's a generally good thing. I will say if things seem a little weird or funky on my end today, it's because I'm still working out some new kinks after getting a new computer. Ooh. So I'm Congrats. back in the uh, what you would refer to as the master race of Max over Absolutely. PCs at the moment. Love it. So it's very nice. Uh, it's working very well for me, but I do have a whole bunch of things plugged in in different ways, and I'm still in transition of figuring out how I actually want all my setup to look. So hey, we have we have our Patreon supporter Carrie with us today in the live recording. Love you, Carrie. Glad to have you here. She's validating that your audio is a plus. Well, so, I'm glad so far to hear your it. connections. Yeah, she's glad to hear it too. See, fair ah. enough. How you doing, Dad? Ah, oh, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I've been traveling a lot for work, and that's part of what I do sometimes. But this time of year, a lot of extra travel. Uh, people who've been watching our content on YouTube have noticed. You know, I've been posting episodes recorded in Alaska, in the Midwest. You know, wherever I'm at, I'm still trying to throw out some short content. But today, I'm actually at home. I have my green screen. Everything's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I have my green screen. So I put up a big orange blob today. I don't know what I was thinking. I mean, it's <laughs> orange. It could have been green. That could have been lazier. Yeah. Could have been a big green blob. But I'm I'm doing well. I, I don't have anything really to complain about. I'm still loving life and having fun. I saw you drinking something, Zach. What are you drinking today? Um, I am surprisingly still working my way through that uh, bottle of cognac. So... Uh, it felt like a day to just sip on some of that. Um, simple, but nice. You drinking anything, Dad? Water! Yeah, I'm just drinking water today. I, uh, still on a weight loss plan. So, a little less alcohol. Haven't had anything in a week. Don't plan to have anything for, like, the next two weeks. You Seriously. Know, I'm yeah. proud of you. It's boring, but I'm proud of yeah. you. And the wine in my house is, we've got this backlog that's filling up because i'm not drinking it right now I mean, literally really... there's two extra cases waiting to be picked up at places we have memberships you could just like slap a label on that send it down to me if you want oh I, that's very big of you i'll Appreciate help take that. it off here i mean it won't go very quickly at my house either but you know it's another place to store it and that way mm. like eventually you're down here you don't have to worry about oh where do i get good wine you just have the wine that you sent me already you are so thoughtful, you know, opening up your, your wine cellar as reserves. That, that, that's hey, great. That means something. If you can see my background, it's still a little bit of a mess because we are in transition with a number of things, how we're setting up things. Uh, so space is a hot commodity. Okay. Well, I'll see for myself uh, in a couple of months. Your mother and I are going to come on down and visit you down there. And I mentioned this actually uh, on purpose in that... One of the things we plan to do while we're together 
is live stream something just for our patrons. Mm -hmm. We are way overdue in new content for our Patreon supporters. So yeah. we have a plan. There's going to be something fun we're going to do that will be, you know, out there. A live stream that people will be able to connect with directly through Patreon. That's where it'll live stream to. So uh, keep uh, your ears out for that. That's for anybody Abercrombie tier and higher that there'll be a chance to see Zach and I live. And that'll be fun. Which is kind of important because some people have started questioning, uh, are, A, are you real? Because they're seeing a lot of content I, with just, just me and I I'm talk about AI. you. I and get digitally or, brought in, actually. Or what have I done with you? Like, are you tied up in the basement somewhere? I don't have a basement. But, you know, it was funny. Someone actually commented on that. That was great. Yeah. No, I exist, uh, surprisingly. Uh, all of us are still a little bit in shock over that. Um, but I look forward, <laughs> especially if you are a Patreon, to proving it to you live um, when we hang out and I'm in person with my dad again. Or rather, I guess there he's in person with me. I'll be with you. That's right, because I'm coming down to your casa. Very good. Uh, more and more people wondering about these things and having the chance to check us out in Discord, social media, and Patreon because our YouTube channel keeps growing. Uh, we're well over 500 subscribers now, and uh, just the last few days picked up a number of new people in Discord. So great to have more people to chat with. Thank you for those of you who have joined us. We love having you here. Absolutely. Before we move into our content on the Wheel of Time, then, I would like to know, what are you reading now? What are you up to? Okay, I'm going to go through just a couple of quick recent updates, because it has been a little while. I don't know which ones I've actually mentioned uh, last time or this time. So I'm going to go with what I think are the last few that I haven't mentioned. Um, so I read through and finished Night Angel Nemesis. I think I may have finished it like a day before you did. Um, I think that's funny. <laughs> and then went on and read uh, Proven Guilty. So the next Dresden book. Um, Good. On to then Persepolis Rising. Still uh -huh. getting through the expanse. I've got two more left there. Uh, yep. Finished Morning Star, the third book in the Red Rising uh, okay. series kind of the end of a trilogy and then there's another set of books so all right a good, good end there and then finally of books i've finished lately just a small little thing i got around to reading legends and lattes uh oh that's on my tbr I, is it as good as cozy fantasy it's okay um i think you have to go in with the expectation of what it is expect it to be as it states a novel of high fantasy and low stakes um <laughs> there's a lot that doesn't really happen, but a lot that like does happen. And so it's just kind of a feel good, easygoing story, predictable, but still fine. Um, okay. It's not going to be my chosen genre, like subgenre forever, but I wouldn't mind reading something in this cozy fantasy every now and then. Um, finally, then books I'm reading currently, uh, we've got Gardens of the Moon, which is above me. I am yes. making my way through that, starting Malazan. I've got behind me on the shelf there, White Knight. Getting back to more Dresden. Great. Uh, and then I'm currently listening to something a little more sci-fi than it is fantasy. Hyperion by Dan Simmons. Ah, that's coming up on my TBR too. I I've heard great things about it. Not is very far my... into it yet. Uh, I'm a good, like, maybe fourth. Okay. All right. It well, is thanks what it for is. That I'm update. not going to spoil it for you. Uh, Appreciate what it. What have you been reading, Dad? Well, I started a few new books recently, so I'm... 
I, I did recently finish book four of Malazan, House of Chains. It was fantastic. I'm on a Malazan pause again while I read some other things. So one I've, I'm reading right now is pictured down here to the side, the center of our screen, The Return of the Knights by Gregory Contaxis. This is a self-published work, a fantasy, and it's awesome. I'm really enjoying it. I'm a little over halfway through the book now. It's just book one of a series. So once I get done, then I have nothing else to read in it, which is always a bummer for me. I like to move right on. But I'll be looking forward to when he puts out the next book in this series because this has been good. Uh, I'll do content on it when I'm done with it. But definitely enjoying this one. I could already tell people, go check it out. Go read this book, The Return of the Knights. Uh, second, I've got two different Stephen King books that I'm reading right now. One, one of them there is Duma the Key. Yeah, Duma Key I'm reading as a hardcover book. So I'm not getting through it as fast because I can only read it when I'm home. I don't take it on the road. Hmm. But it's it's very interesting so far. I'm only like 6 or 7% into the book. Not very far. But it's already piqued my interest. The other one is right below me. You can see part of it. And that's 112263. And this is the best Stephen King book I've read in a long time. I'm doing it via audio, and it's just mind-bogglingly good so far. I'm about 65% through it and want to know what's going to happen. It is so good. Carrie's I mean, read this one already. She's posting it in Discord, you know, that she likes it. And I know some others, Jason in Discord, another patron, has has read this before, really recommended it. So they're all right. It's excellent. I don't want to give you any spoilers, but like we know what's going to happen. But do we? <gasps> ah, because this is a book that features time travel. And can yeah. you change the past? So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes and how it plays out. Uh, great book. Again, I'm doing it on an audio. And tomorrow, I'm getting in a car and driving 10 and a half hours for work. Mm, so you're going to so finish I it I may tomorrow. just finish the book. <laughs> I'll definitely have it finished before I make it back home by Wednesday night. So, yeah. Then I got to figure out what's next. All right. <laughs> That's our books then, I think. Uh, yeah. It's still great to have so many fun things to read. Uh, I'll say one other thing about books. We did just finish our September Tri-Reader Tournament, mm. and we featured uh, self-published works. So there were a whole bunch of great self-published books that people had submitted. Find us on Twitter. Check out all those books that were in our bracket, uh, not just the ones that won, which were great books, but look at all of them there. There's some really good literature out there for people, and these were the most entertaining self-published books from sff people thought and add some to your tbr and if you're gonna check out a list this is actually one of ours that's probably the better to check out just because self-published books can be so hit or miss sometimes they're mm -hmm. fantastic and sometimes they really needed work and an editor um and this is kind of some of that hey a lot of various people thought these were entertaining yeah and you can kind of see that these have been vetted for you at least a little bit you still might not <laughs> like it but you're allowed to not like what you don't like. Right. All right, let's move into Lord of Chaos. And we're going to start today at the beginning. Shock. Uh, this there book is has no a beginning. prologue. Oh, nice. Nor is there nice. any ends. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. We get it. <laughs> but it has a prologue. 
And the prologue, I love the prologues of these books because it's so much of catching up on this and this and this and this and this from all across the story before then you start following a few particular plot lines a little more deeply. So it's like you catch up on so much, but because this is book six already, there's a lot to catch up on. The prologue by itself is well over 50 pages which yeah. is more than we can do in one episode unless we want to do this to set a new record for how long an episode will be. And we don't so, want to do that. Mm. So we're going to we'll break it into like one. part one, part two, something like and that. And it will just be two parts. We'll get slightly more than half of the prologue covered today. We'll do the, next, the rest in our next episode. Next book, we'll do three parts. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> yeah, Carrie has, I think on chapter seven of this book, she's a first time reader and she's noting that the prologue was a book in and of itself. Just about, you know, a little novella of value. But I have been looking forward to Lord of Chaos. It's one of my favorite books in the whole cycle. And it's also the longest. I, I looked up the stats. It's mm -hmm. six pages longer than The Shadow Rising. So both of these are chunkers of books. But this one's the longest. And if you listen in audio at 1.0 speed, this one is 19 minutes longer than The Shadow Rising. I mean, they're very close. Do you still listen to audiobooks at 1.0 speed? I do. I am a purist. Once in a while, wow. because I, I'm going to do something, collaborate with someone, I have to have something done by a certain time, and I'll speed up, and I hate every moment of listening to it fast. <laughs> I, I read faster than most uh, audiobook narrators, so I tend to have to go just a little bit faster, just to feel sane. Mm. Well, with Lord of Chaos you know, why it's one of my favorite books is it really advances the story in a number of key ways. But the ending is amazing on top of all of that. There's a ton of material we're going to cover before we get there. Yeah. But I'm going to be looking forward to talking about the ending of this book all through the book. I predict no fewer than four of our spoiler rooms are going to be you talking about the end of this book. <laughs> but let's get started with this prologue now we just gotta dive in so we begin with introductions to some fantastic new world building and plot developments as we get a point of view from freaking demandred okay a forsaken that we've seen a few times before we've never been in his head before we've never seen much of him he's been kind of a secretive on the fringe character and now we're with him I have a weird thought here, actually. Have we yeah. seen him before? We have. I'm there not a... sure we have. Have we only seen him talked about? I think we've heard about him, but we have not I seen him I thought he was yet. at one of the meetings of Forsaken in Teleron Riyadh. I don't think so. Hmm. You might be right. Because there was a meeting that had uh, the one that Nynaeve and Birgitta spied on. Mogidian was also spying on it. And the men at that meeting, I believe, were Ravine and Samael. Yeah. Uh, Carrie is thinking that you're right, Zach. He's only been referenced by name. So this might be the first on-screen moment for Demandred. The reason that I think that it is the first on-screen um, is something spoilery that I remember about the fandom back in the day that I missed out on because I was too young and hadn't read it yet. But I heard about it later on. I can't talk about it right now, but maybe we'll get there in the spoiler room. I know where you're going, and maybe we will. Very good. Well, 
we know Demondred's a Forsaken. We know of him. We know he's been out there doing something. Now we see him arriving via traveling. He's stepping out of a gateway at Thakandar, right on the slopes of Shiogul. Now, this is Dark One territory all the way. We learn here this was a beautiful location in the Age of Legends, but what we see right now is quite the opposite. It's And it's a stronghold of the forces of shadow. Why, Zach, is this such a source of darkness and shadow? Well, I mean, to be blunt, this is where the boar exists. This is where there is a physical place that, like, breaks to, hey, the dark one's right there. Yeah, the book explains that in an interesting way, that the boar isn't, like, physically truly here more than anywhere else in the world, but... This is where it is most sensed. So it's like it's here. And this is definitely where the Dark One feels closest to the world. Which is, of course, why Demondred is here, because the Dark One has summoned him. So if you're going to go for a appearance before the Dark One, you come to Shiogu. Yeah. We see that other things happen here. This is a place where Merdral, Trollocs, some other shadow spawn actually live, mm -hmm. do things. Full time. And going all the way back to the Eye of the World, if you remember, we've heard about Thakandari blades. Uh, the These blades that the Merdral use that are forged in Thakandar. That's here. Uh, the forge special, is here. Like, tainted blades that really messed up Tam that one time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's here. And we learn how they taint those blades. They use humans in the process of making these weapons. We see it, it happening. Uh, define used, Zach. How do they use the humans? Uh, here, correct me if I'm wrong. Don't they, like, quench them by stabbing them into people? It's yes. not like, hey, step it in the water or the oil or whatever liquid that you're tempering it in. It's like, no, no, no. Use their blood of the still living person. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you need a steady supply of humans to make all these weapons. Which, like, super brutal... But also, there are other stories and legends and things throughout our history, throughout other fantasy and stuff, that do sometimes talk about, like, quenching a blade in someone, in a loved one, and the power that comes within. It's not a new concept, but it is a cool one. Mm -hmm. Demondred has actually come here at this time because he was summoned. I mentioned that. In some way, maybe through the dream or something, he, he knew he was to come and appear before the Dark One. And he's at the spot... Uh, where there's, like, he's close to the tunnel access down into the heart of the Pit of Doom inside this mountain that is Shiogul. And, and we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But before he goes into it, you know, he's taking time to look around. He hasn't been here for a while, you get the impression. He's been here before, but it's not like he hangs out at Thakandar. Uh, so he's just noting things around there and then suddenly there's a merdral next to him just appears somehow and has a name <gasps> this is made clear this is significant merdral don't commonly have a lot of personality apparently <laughs> they're they do their thing and uh lacking a lot else too this one uh he holds himself with a little more significance self-importance he announces his name as shaidar haran which is like old tongue that is totally recognizable to demandred it's like that means hand of the dark wow uh sort of 
fool of yourself, buddy? Yeah. A lot of times you might be like, this guy thinks he's a little too self-important. Except Merchal don't necessarily do that. So that's a little weird. And if you're going to do that, you wouldn't really do that in the place where you're closest to the Dark One. That's a great way to get... I'm not going to say smote, smited, smitten. um, Because that feels a little too holy. But like the equivalent. You know, the Merdral certainly lorded over the Trollocs. They don't typically go around apparently lording it over Forsaken. Or the Chosen, as they're called by the Dark. That's a good way to get... Like I said, smote. Smited. Speaking of, I think smited is actually the correct past tense Smeet. of smite. Um, but Smeet. I like all the Smeet. others better. <laughs> uh, so Demondred does note this Shida Haran doesn't seem very intimidated. What's up with this dude? He literally says to Demondred, are you going to keep the great lord waiting? He's like kind of chastising Demondre, and it's like, dude's got some balls. Okay, I don't know if they really do. Uh, we're not going to go into that aspect of the show like on here today. He may? He may not. <laughs> I don't even know if it's a he. Shida Haran leads Demondre then down into the mountain, and Demondre notices something interesting. This is like a magical tunnel, and this is his POV, so he's remembering what he's seen in the past, that it doesn't matter who you are, when you come on into this tunnel, it kind of contracts enough so that by the time you get to the end, you have to hunch over. It's like you're bowing down in subservience as you come before the great lord. Neat trick, you know, everybody bows. And it's not happening on this trip. This trip. Shider Haran is very tall for Merdral, mm-hmm. and the ceiling is staying like a couple feet above his head, which... Again, it's like, weird. Uh, what's going on here? If it weren't for the fact that it was terrifying, nice perk. Also, <laughs> why has no one tried squatting? <laughs> I would imagine someone has, and it just got even lower. So I'd say don't squat, man. Don't squat. Before you know it, you're slithering. But it, what does this perhaps say about Shadar Haran? Demand, you know, as Demandra notices, it's not making him bow. At the very least... Shida Haran might be more favored by the dark than you are, Demandred. Ooh, something's different. Something's that, funny going on. That's always going to chafe the Chosen. At the end of the tunnel, you open up and you're seeing literally the Pit of Doom. You're, you're inside a volcano. There's this bed of molten lava out ahead of you. And then you look up the heart of the volcano. And now this is part of what's freaky. You don't see the sky of Thakandar, like, was outside, you see something else. Just a swirling mass of twisted, dark colors and stuff. What? You know, it's inexplicable, which is always somewhat weird. In a weird way, I always like to think of it as, like, this is one of the few places that is still kind of physical, but you can see outside the pattern. Mm, Maybe. And the feeling of the dark one here is massively palpable it's like oh just oh you know and i guess if you're on his team it's kind of like terrifying and thrilling if you're not on the dark lord's team it's just terrifying demandred thinks about here again that this is where the boar is most sensed but he can tell it is still blocked Mm -hmm. remind us our readers here how the boar was made in the first place because demandred's thinking how stupid it was that they made this boar and then how it got sealed blocked up so we saw in one of the visions of the past to aiel 
um, this whole like science experiment of some sort that didn't go well, and they found they bore through reality a little bit, and oop, there's the dark one. Skip forward a bit, we get through that war of power and all that jazz, and we got LTT, Luz, Theron, Telemon. Uh, I've recently learned that when I refer to him as LTT, uh, Rachel thinks it's funny. It sounds like it's going to be a BLT or something. I don't know, but... Oh, funny, uh, yeah. It, it makes her laugh every time. Anyway, uh, <laughs> LTT and his 100 companions, all men, male channelers, were they mm -hmm. actually 100? Who knows? But that's what they called themselves. They went without the support of the female Aes Sedai, and we're like, hey, yo, Dark One, let's sail your way. And it worked, kind of, but also not. And now everyone who's a male channeler goes mad. Thanks, Dark One. Did I miss anything important? That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. We do get the comment also from Demondred that this, this block, this seal on the board, it is thinning. So the Dark One's presence is even more strongly felt now than it used to be. Demandred then, you know, I'm here. I'm ready to talk to the great Lord of the Dark. So he dismisses Shadaharan and notices, dude doesn't go anywhere. No. What is with this Merdral? But before he can do anything else or think anything else, he hears the Dark One's voice right in his head. It's not like heard in his ears. It's like a psychic whammy that just totally overwhelms him and they have a conversation. Now we learned some things from this conversation. First of all, we learned the Dark One is not omniscient. Demandred never knows just how much the Great Lord has perceived about the world versus how much he has to learn by calling people to him, like Demandred. Which, to a certain extent, like, this makes sense. We already knew that, like, ravens are called the Dark One's eyes, but we mm -hmm. also knew they had to actually get back to Murdral to report in what they saw. So it's not like Raven's just, oh, immediately, this is a security spy camera, deep state surveillance that the Dark One is putting out there. Uh, so we know there are limitations already. This is sure. just elaborating it. Here's a good one. We know the eyes that I have their eyes and ears. So does the Dark Lord. We learn here confirmation that Ravine is dead. Now, of course, we know how Ravine is dead. Remind our people. That's from the last book. Um, a really, really, really big balefire beam from Rand. Uh, we also learn Lanfear and Asmodian have vanished with no trace. How did that happen? Again, we know from the last book. Lanfear we saw get tackled through an archway, never to return, theoretically. Um, thanks, Moraine. Unfortunately, she went with. Uh, Asmodian got stabbed in a closet a pantry he's just like dead we don't know exactly what happened but we know he was like <gasps> and then he's dead yeah we'll we'll talk about that stabbed thing in just a moment uh grendel i, I don't think it was actually worded that it, it was stabbed but it's always just like in my brain is like but the wording here coming up in a moment we're gonna talk about because i think it reveals exactly what happened to esmodian mm. but one more thing that's mentioned here, Demandred says Grendel reported Mogedian failed to make a meeting that they had arranged. And yeah. here's the thing, as he's reporting to Demandred, uh, Ravine dead, Lanfear and Asmodian vanished, Mogedian missing, all those things happened yesterday. Coincidence? No. Now, we, of course, know what happened to Mogedian, but we'll talk about that later, because that's coming up later in the prologue again reveal about that so let's say that we also know to an extent it all kind of is coincidence which makes me go like hey 
The wheel weaves as it wills. There's, it's like there's a pattern, man. It's almost like there's a narrative arc that we try to make things co like line up in ways that are compelling. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing. Carrie dropped in Discord. Spider Girl is MIA. <laughs> That's a good way to describe Mogadian. It's correct. Right. The spider. We learn from the Dark One's words here that Asmodian and Ravine, I'm saying this, that they both died by balefire. That's how mm. I read what's here. Here's the specific quote. He's saying this right in Demondred's head. The chosen dwindle, Demondred. The weak fall away. Who betrays me shall die the final death. Asmodian, twisted by his weakness. Ravine, dead in his pride. He served well, yet even I cannot save him from Balefire. Even I cannot step outside of time. I think there is an, a very important line in there. He put both of them together here. No, he didn't. And he said he did. the final death. He did. What Balefire does. No. The final death. You're wiped out of existence. Hear me out. He did, and he didn't lump them together. He lists Asmodian, and then he lists Ravine, and then he says he served well, but I can't save him from Balefire. He never mentions what kills Asmodian. Maybe it's Balefire. Maybe it's not. This goes back to, I think Asmodian was severed from the Dark One. He can't bring him back. I don't think it has anything to do with how he died. No, but I the think... Dark One will absolutely play it that way because if yeah. the Chosen know they can be separated from him, that's a problem. I think he was still, there's still claws into Asmodian. Asmodian knew what he was facing if he was ever caught by the Dark Lord now because, you know, he's betrayed him. He's serving the Dragon Reborn. I, I think he knew. When Asmodian died, he knew. I agree in the, there were ties, but in the mental, emotional, there's trauma. There's, yeah, there are ties. But the magical ties, the oaths, those things, that was severed. And we are going to disagree on this. This we're is one of my hardcore theories <laughs> that has enough in the books that it has legs. But I've yet to find a lot of people who will run with me on it. <laughs> now the, following this is a reminder in Demandred's head he's thinking of the danger to the pattern caused by balefire and we've talked about that before it was used heavily in the age of legends till everybody both the good and the bad realized this is literally ripping the pattern apart the whole fabric of the wheel is disintegrating we need to stop or there's nothing left to win okay everything will be gone but in the dark one's mind it is still fully an option and he says to Demandred, will you use Balefire for me? Now, Demandred gives the only answer. Uh, yes, Lord. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, if you tell me to, uh, yeah, sure. But he doesn't really want to. But he will. He will. That might be foreshadowing. But we won't say more about that right now. Then the Dark Lord says, all right, I'm going to paraphrase. Here's who gets to live. Here, here's who gets to die. Here's your orders. And then we fade away to somewhere else. We don't get to hear what the Dark Lord actually says. Yeah. Instead, we're going to jump to Nynaeve now. Nynaeve's point of view, where she's in Saladar. Remind us why she's in Saladar? What, what's that about? Because this is the quote-unquote true White Tower in exile, which honestly is less the true White Tower in exile and more like, hey, a coup happened, but it was also kind of valid, and like, you just said I don't accept it. So are you the rebels? Or are you the true White Tower? Either way, you're a split faction that isn't in Tarvalon. Right. Now, she's in the middle of a session with Swan and Liana. What are they doing? Uh, they're doing what 
Nynaeve's part, or rather Swan and Liana's part of the bargain on the whole, hey, teach us how to use the dream rings while you're also teaching the Aes Sedai because like, hey, we also are going to do this even though we're not supposed to. Um, And Nynaeve was like, okay, that's fine. I want to study you. You guys were stilled. I want to study that. I want to see, is there a way to fix this, to heal this? Because it's such a taboo subject, it doesn't get studied. And so is there a way? Maybe. But it's so icky that people have just stayed away from it for so long that there's been no progress. Nynaeve clings to the belief that nothing short of death is unhealable, okay? She should be able to fix the stilling if she can understand it. And yeah, so exactly when Swan tried to basically blackmail her into this teaching about Teleron Riyadh, Nynaeve flipped it and blackmailed her. And so, yeah, now we're seeing it. The studying is going on. Swan and Liana are not comfortable with it. They don't want to see, you know, have this happen. But a deal is a deal. So weird double-sided question for you. Yeah. Um, it's a little small tangent. Sorry. Uh, we say nothing short of death should be able to be healed, right? Um, and we see that death is healed by bail filing firing the person who kills someone not really nope, healed nope, nope, but like nope, nope. you undo things right yes death is not healed death but, didn't but happen. You undo things it didn't so happen. what happens if like someone stills someone and then you bail fire that per- are they unstilled would that absolutely it never happened that would be 100 percent true i'd be curious to see that maybe we'll have to pay attention in the books maybe it happens so again Nynaeve's goal here is to figure out how to heal stilling but Nynaeve still is blocked, okay? She doesn't have the ability to just channel. And right at this moment, she's not mad. She's not angry. She's curious and doing this work. So how is she actually studying these women? Well, this is where we have to bring in the fourth person in the room. Mm Because we had Nynaeve and then Swan and Liana. But we also have Merrigan. Hmm. Merrigan, who was that refugee woman with the two kids they picked up back you know getting away from the white cloaks and Mm. masima and the crazy people and who stayed with them all the way to saladar but merrigan we discover here this is the person who was actually mogidian it's a little on the nose merrigan mogidian yeah she didn't change her name all that much Um, it worked it worked and she doesn't look like Mogidian. She does, you know, she looks different. She has a disguise, but it's totally her. At the end of the last book, Nynaeve had captured her in the dream and made her drink stuff so that she would be asleep. Important and, to mention fork root specifically. Yes, asleep, asleep and, and powerless. And what happens to you in the dream happens to you in the real world. So then out in the real world, they went and found her and she's wearing a collar. She's got a Damane collar. Nynaeve's wearing the matching bracelet. Remember, they had this and they were studying it. Well, now they're freaking using it. They have collared a Forsaken. This is awesome, and badass, icky. and, and icky. awful. It's yes. so messed up. <laughs> but Nynaeve is using Mogidian's power through the bracelet and collar to study Swan and Liana. Now, we learn a number of things here. First of all, we learn that Swan and Liana, there's something in there that Nynaeve can identify. She can see a place where internally, power-wise, 
they were severed and it looks like a wound exactly uh, just a, a power-based wound you know you'd never be able to see it physically no. with your eyes but you can sense something here the point of severing and to an extent if you can see an injury if you can identify it that does bolster the argument that you can probably heal it right uh other things we learn in here uh, uh let's see swan and liana they know who merrigan is they're in on understanding this is a forsaken this is mogedian and part of that then is Nynaeve takes the bracelet off and puts it on Swan saying, feel, you know, wear this. What do you feel? And Swan can sense Mogidian's power. Now she can't make Mogidian channel. She can't channel with Mogidian's power. Okay. So something about being severed, even though she can sense Mogidian mm -hmm. and, you know, feel her, her emotions, her thoughts, and that she, you know, could channel, she can't do anything with that power. It's a fun and weird so disconnect that reminds us that all Soldom are women who have the potential to channel. Yes, we learned that back a few books ago. And so Swan with this on is someone who had the potential and still can like sense things, but she can't do anything with it because her avenue has been severed. And Swan is like, see, what good is this? I mean, sure, I, I can use this icky thing and sense her, but I can't do anything. But Nynaeve is like, no, 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 no. You need to understand only people who can channel can sense that. So this says you still have latent potential here. And if I can figure out a way to fix what's wrong, you can still tap into the power. Now, Swan is just depressed. Liana's like, yeah. ooh. Yeah. <laughs> it does work on some assumptions that are assumptions based on things we've figured out um, that apparently the Shanshan Empire in the last thousand years didn't figure out. Didn't um, want to figure out. But also, like, we might be right. Now, Mogidian is actually clearly surprised that Swan and Liana could sense something through the collar. She has already previously told Nynaeve, even in the Age of Legends, being stilled was not healable. It was like, no, that's an end of end of story case. And once you're severed, you're done. And well, even back then, women would off themselves. There's nothing coming back from that. It's the I, end. It's horrible. I guess it's a good thing that we don't think the Age of Legends is the end all of be-alls and Nynaeve being good two rivers folk is stubborn enough to say yeah screw that no Nynaeve also has been questioning many of the things they get from Mogidian because Mogidian hasn't suddenly turned over a new leaf and is joyfully sharing anything they want to know she has to be forced to release crumbs of information and if she can twist it in any way she does so you have to take everything with a grain of salt but keep in mind when you're wearing this bracelet and collar, you can sense if the person is outright lying. You can sense how they feel about what they're saying. So Mogidian, only because she's so skilled as this forsaken, uh, can make some of this hard. But she can only go so far. So when she literally has said, no, you couldn't heal this back in the day, Nynaeve believes it. Does not believe that that's necessarily true, but believes Mogidian believes it's true. And may even believe that it is true it couldn't be healed back in the day, but not necessarily because it was impossible, just because it wasn't known. And one other thing to add, another layer in here, is that they've already figured out Mogidian is crap about healing. This yeah. was not something she cared about. So no. she has very little knowledge or actual ability at healing, which is something Nynaeve wants to know about more than anything, and Mogidian's not much help there. 
in a way, it's a little bit comparable to Elaine, who uh, can't do much more than bruises. Right. So they're in the midst of working through some of these things, talking about some of these things, when suddenly Elaine comes barging into the room, and they're all like, ah! Why are they so afraid when someone comes barging into the room? Uh, Well, you know, when you've got someone collared in the middle of an Aes Sedai camp, um, who isn't supposed to be known as someone who can channel, let alone a Forsaken, let alone all of the implications, getting just randomly interrupted by a random person barging in, there, there's a lot of, ah, going on there. Now I'm going to back you up a step here, though. When you say you've got somebody randomly collared, there's no chain. Okay, this is just someone's wearing jewelry and someone has something around her neck. This does not look like it does on the TV show. Okay, it is not so obvious. Something on the TV show. I will also still say, though, we have not had explicit mentioning of any culture. And we've had a lot of description of clothing and jewelry. We've had no cultures that have described a collar or even a choker as an applicable piece of clothing or jewelry. So, like... Is it possible? Yeah, but also, no, it is a little bit strange. I think she's wearing this in plain sight, though. I think she is. Because she's definitely wearing it all the time. She is. She might be wearing some high high necklines, something to make it fit in a little bit more. It's like, it it would catch an eye if it was just like, yeah, she's wearing a plain dress and this really nice silver collar. Mm. Now, they don't want anybody catching them, all the four of them, though, having conversations like this and, and doing something that seems secretive. That could cause some questions, okay? And, you know, if the wrong Aes Sedai walked in, you know, uh, this could get complicated. But it's not the wrong Aes Sedai. It's Elaine walking in. And she's kind of, I mean, for a flicker of a moment, she feels bad when she sees how shocked they are. But then she kind of dismisses it. It's like, what are you guys worried about? Because Birgitta is literally on guard right outside the room. Nobody was going to come barging in unless Birgitta allowed them to come in. And, you know, there are some people Birgitta couldn't have stopped, but she would have done something to give them a heads up someone's coming in. Is, and is notably, Elaine's attitude that Birgitta didn't say anything with Elaine it means Birgitta thought this would be funny. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) She does have a twisted sense of humor. But no, Elaine's barging in because she's irritated, upset. She's heard things about the greater world picture right now. And she, well, she wants to do something that the Aes Sedai are not going to let her do. Correct. Okay, so rumor has reached Saladar that Mm -hmm. Queen Morghese is dead. False, but people think it. And Randall Thor has taken Camelin. Kind of true. Yeah. Many tie those two rumors together to say the Dragon Reborn killed Queen Morghese and took over Camelin. Doubly false. Uh, Not dead wasn't killed by Rand, even if was. Now, Elaine does not believe Rand killed her mother. Even though, thinking back to the last book, Rand feels very guilty, feeling responsible for Morghese's death. Yeah, Again, we know she's not dead, but he doesn't. Elaine feels a need... To go to Camelot. Even feels her duty demands it. And this is the primary reason she's saying she, the Aes Sedai need to let her go. If her mother's gone, the people need Elaine to be there as the daughter heir to step in, to bring back order. Not to just let Rand do whatever he's going to do. There's a certain disconnect of information here um, that Elaine doesn't really understand how messed up things got under Lord Gabriel. Uh, to where... No, totally. To be completely honest, 
things are gonna maybe be more stable under Rand because everyone's terrified of him mm-hmm. than they would be under Elaine trying to make things right again. Now, there is zero chance that the Aes Sedai, and Swan is telling her this, zero chance the Aes Sedai are going to allow her to go back to Camelot right now. No. For one thing, she is still an accepted. She needs to complete her training. They're not going to let her go off. But even more so, Rand Thor has already taken over Kyrian. Tyr has the Aiel behind him. Mm-hmm. Now, Camelot... And if he gets his hands on the daughter heir, pretty much he'll have all of Andor too. That's way too much. No, 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 no. So, I think that are all those are all valid reasons that the Aes Sedai would absolutely cite. And it's also complete bullshit. <laughs> the reason they don't want Elaine going back to Camelin is because it's too close to the other part of the tower and a powerful pawn that a piece that they have on the board that could suddenly become a public figure and be used by Elida and the tower in Tarvalon hmm. would do a lot to undermine the credibility of this tower in exile. That is an interesting take. But they'll never admit that. No, they, they never admit their true uh, intentions. We're going to talk more about that in just a moment, too. Other things that Elaine has heard about and that they kind of in general know as well, but has her stirred up. There's rebellion in the western portion of Andor. What's that about? You uh, know what that's about. It's not really rebellion so much as um, the people who you haven't been successfully taxing for generations have decided, yeah, Lord Perrin. And rightfully so, because they were attacked by hordes of Merdral and Trollocs and no one's there to help. They got no aid from Andor. They got pretty much no aid from the White Cloaks who supposedly were there and really just antagonized them. White they, Cloaks suck. White they Cloaks for suck. themselves with the help of an Ogier, a blacksmith who was born and raised there, maybe some wolves every now and then, and a couple Aiel. And, well, let's let's not underrate Fael's persuasive charm uniting the other towns. So Elaine is not at all happy about rebellion happening. That's another reason she should be back in Camelin. But also, there's this whole to-do to do that Rand has declared an amnesty for men who can channel and yes. encouraging them to come to him in Camelin. Yes. Now, why would the Aes Sedai have an issue with that? I mean, Aes Sedai have maybe been, like, having as their policy, men who can channel go mad and kill people and destroy the world, we gentle them, except for the Dragon Reborn, who we'd like to put in a little box until the last battle. And there's been some contention between different factions of the Aes Sedai of what to do with the Dragon Reborn, but all other male channelers, they're like, no, the world's better off without them. The Red take it so far as to actually act upon that, but pretty much everyone agrees on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. More things we hear about here. The sisters in Saladar, you said they, they are the Tower in Exile. They've actually now created a Hall of the Tower in Exile. So they've got, you know, they, they've created this meeting with leaders for each of the Aja, except one. To be fair, to give them some credibility here, some of the sitters in their hall, I believe, were sitters in the tower pre-split. So we do have some sitters or past from pre sitters. and exactly. We have some sitters in both halls of the tower that are legitimate. And there are some in both that have been since the schism. Mm-hmm. So there is a valid argument to say either one is the true hall of the tower. 
Now this hall of the tower in Saladar, they're mulling over who to raise up as a rightful Amerlin to challenge Elida's, Elida's false claim to the title, but they haven't made up their mind yet. Who to do that? Who to raise up? Now, the hall of the tower got a little funky because like, was it sketchy? Yeah. Is Elida technically the rightful Amerlin? Kind of, yeah. I will throw a leadership truism in here. You're only a leader if people choose to follow you. True. I'll throw a fantasy truism at you. If you kill enough of the people who disagree with you, you're in charge. <laughs> Everyone left is going to have to follow you. <laughs> I said I can't kill people unless they're actually dark friends or their threatening their life. Can. Remember? Hmm? Warders can. Black Aja can. I'm not saying there is no Black Aja. Could. I'm just saying there are avenues. The Hall of the Tower will never allow Elaine to fall into Rand's hand. We've talked about that before. Instead, the Tower is planning to send a delegation to the Dragon Reborn. And Elaine is not about to be a part of that. Other things they've learned. Moraine is dead. That information has come to Saladar. And she went out taking Lanfear with her. So cool. And in some way... Moraine is being spoken about, about amongst the Aes Sedai and Saladar kind of in hushed tones, like, ooh, Moraine, I mean, you know. Now, they fair, couldn't stand her before, but now she's yeah. like some superhero Aes Sedai. Now that she's not going to be a problem, we could be like, hey, a blue took out a Forsaken, or two. Yeah. So, but of course they're going to that. This is part of the problem and why they're talking about sending a delegation, that they need to do this now. Because with Moraine gone, she was the influence the Aes Sedai could have on Rand. Now he's growing powerful. I mean, since that, he took over Camelon. Too quickly, he's becoming so strong with no one guiding his steps, no one near him that they feel they can trust. This is a problem. There is a vacuum in the advisory role there. Uh, and I'm not going to go into any sort of spoiler or details, but I am going to say... In season two of the Wheel of Time show, we've gotten a number of name drops that I have loved that have kind of confirmed something that I think will be happening eventually. Okay. Swan's thinking is they can't let Rand grow too powerful before he does come to accept the counsel and guidance of the Sisters of Saladar. But at the same time, they dare not hold him back from growing stronger, lest he be unprepared to deal with other Forsaken who come at him as well as to be ready to face the Dark One at the last battle. You know, the prophecy dictates he's got to do these things, so gotta let him do that. Gotta let him cook. Right? Swan and Liana are aware, therefore, then the Hall is choosing this embassy and that they've picked nine, or are picking, nine sisters to approach Rand. What's the significance of choosing nine as the number? Sorry, I am lost track of where we're at. Um... Keep going for a second here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Carrie had jumped out of Discord for a moment because the internet was acting up. And look, Zach's brain is acting up too. Sweet. Uh, maybe you should jump out of body for a moment and then well, come I back see in. What, uh, I see a potential <laughs> guess that Carrie says, and I'm going to say no, but also no, no, no. maybe. Um, now, nine is the number that they picked because it's significant enough to show him honor that we would send nine sisters normally we'll just send one sister to a mm. king we're sending nine to you but 
Not so many that you have to be worried because 13 is the magic number. 13 sisters can shield and, you know, totally cut off a man from the power. Notably, it's important to mention uh, a couple of little things that I think we've heard whispers of here and there, little tidbits, but I'm just going to highlight them. Uh, It is not necessarily necessary to use 13 to really say it's not necessarily necessary. Yeah, I did. And you can deal with it. Look, I've been drinking, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Point being, you might be able to do with fewer. 13 gives you your best chance because 13 is the number that women can be in a circle together sharing their power and therefore have the most power to take on a male channeler. And whether it's true or not, they have said it before in the books. They believe it. 13 is the number that no man can withstand. If you have 13 sisters linked coming at you, that is powerful enough to shield any man. And one, that might be true. Two, it might not be. But three, if it's not, we saw last book that Rand's limitations right now are pretty much limited by what he thinks his limitations are. And if people have been telling him for the last couple of years of him learning he can channel that 13 eyes to die could shield and gentle him, then it's probably true. And we have heard that already. Rand, that information is in his head. He does know 13 is bad news. It's it's an unlucky number. Stay away from great. 13 sisters. <laughs> now we also hear right at the end of this conversation with Elaine, Swan drops the bit that Min is going to go with. So Elaine can't go. Oh, but we're sending Min. And Elaine leaves in a huff. Nynaeve was like, that was really nasty. <laughs> why would you drop that information like that with her? Okay, what's the deal? Why why is Min going along and why is it nasty to have shared it with Elaine? Look, they might both have the hots for the same guy. Yeah, totally. And everybody knows it in this little group. And Swan's like, you know, it's better they, they duke it out here now than to let just two women continue to love the same man. Now, notably, we say let them duke, duke it out here now. Min's kind of reconciled with it a little. Something about uh, seeing yeah, certain prophecies but, and things. It still sucks, but like... But it's it's easy to be reconciled when none of you can be around the guy. Now, Min's going to get to go hang out with Rand, and Elaine can't. That's a new level of tension in this relationship. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, Min is going along not just because swan's being petty about the love triangle it's about min is going to go and spy on him yeah min's Min's been working for swan for a while quote unquote used by the ice to die and by swan um both of them trying to use her for like the same purpose but both thinking they're going to use her but not let the other one use her um and min's kind of going well i mean if it gets me by rand i'll let them think they're using me that's okay yeah. Now, of course, we also know Min has a talent, which these women here know about. None of the other Aes Sedai know this talent. Her going to be around Rand, he knows about the talent because she's told him. Yeah. So that could be useful. And notably, talent with a capital T. We're talking about mm-hmm. Min's visions, that she can see things, images around people, and sometimes interpret things of the future. And something that's really key about those visions, she's not seeing possible futures. She's always seeing the future. When she sees it, it's locked in. It's going to happen. 
I like to think to a certain extent, she does maybe kind of see possible futures. And that's where I'm like, when she knows what something she sees means, she's tried to change it. She can't. It is true. But there are sometimes she sees images and she can describe them, but she doesn't really know what they mean. And maybe that's where there's a little bit up to debate. Not a whole lot of wiggle room, just a little bit because she doesn't that, know what it means. Mm. The fact that she doesn't know what it means doesn't mean there's wiggle room. It's established. If she's seen it, it's going to happen. But what does it mean that it's going to happen? How is it going to happen? What's its implications? She may not know any of that. I think we disagree on a semantic difference as opposed to an actual difference. Because I agree with you, it is going to happen. But if someone else hears what she says and interprets it one way... Interpreting wrong. But they're wrong, then in a way, it feels like it changed. It didn't. It never changed, right. But that's not really how it's perceived. Now, separately here, we also learned that Nynaeve, Elaine, Swan, and Liana have all been taking time with Merrigan, Mogidian, pumping her for information, trying to glean stuff from her. And this is why Swan and Liana actually know Mogidian is the true identity of Merrigan. Because originally, only Nynaeve, Elaine, and Birgitta knew this. Swan and Liana were brought in because as as initially the ladies are trying to get information out of Mogidian, they're not just hearing things you can do with the power. They're getting intel, dark yeah. friend plots, things about other forsaken plans and stuff. Things that, okay, the sisters should know this, but there was no way that Elaine and Nynaeve could just go to the sisters and say, we've learned this and, and be credible, heard, However, or not suspicious. There you know. is a way to have Swan and Liana and their various eyes and ears in the world, in the tower even, have trickled in little things. And hey, they're freed from the oaths. They can lie about yes. the source of this information. This is where Swan and Liana had kept their significance and importance in influencing what's happening with the eyes to die because they were allowed to keep their access. They are the the source of information for the rest of the sisters. So if they just happen to slip in something else they heard, mm -hmm. now the source is actually Mogidian, but like you said, they can lie. This came through the usual means, but it's credible because it's coming from Swan and Liana, who can't lie, the rest of the Aes Sedai think. Yeah, it's it been may, perfect. It may be that it was a petty reasoning why they initially were like, hey, I've got my spy networks and I'm not sharing them, but I'll be your contact. But again, the wheel weaves as the wheel wills, and <laughs> it gave a very good opportunity to weave these different threads together without thrusting it out of Nynaeve and Elaine's control. Nynaeve and Elaine's control? To a certain extent, that they didn't have to be like, hey, Morgan's Mogidian to the new hall of the tower. Ah, okay. They had another well, avenue. Now, there was a risk in bringing Swan and Liana in because Mogidian is guilty of some horrific things as a Forsaken. The penalty is death. She should be executed right now. Yeah. But she's an asset. If they can use her, get information out of her that they couldn't get from any other source. Now, that's how Nynaeve and Elaine feel. But what if Swan and Liana had felt different? That was a risk. But it turns out, nope, Swan and Liana, they see the same thing. But they also agree we can't let anybody else know. Because it's, for every Aes Sedai who may say, wow, we got a user, there'll be 10 others going, burn the witch! Burn the witch! 
And let's bring in the elephant in the room. There's a solid chance that at least one of the Aes Sedai and Saladar is Black Aja. <gasps> and if no Black, Black Aja. Aja hears, we have a Forsaken who's telling us things, they're either going to try and free them because of some misguided, oh, I'll be rewarded, or they're going to kill them. Now, getting information out of Mogidian, a little tricky. We've said that. They could be making her, you know, they could torture her. The TV show worse. has actually done a good job of showing how that can be done with this, but the books are accurate too. You can use the bracelet and collar to physically torture someone, but that's icky. They don't really want to do that. Nynaeve doesn't want to have anything to do with that. So they, instead, they have used the threat of, you will work with us or we'll turn you over to the others and you'll be executed. Turns out Mogidian really doesn't want to die. It's almost like um, turning to the Dark One to save your own skin um, means that self-preservation is a really big motivator for you. Yeah, turns out. Okay, now we switch POVs again. We're jumping to Elaine as she's left this conversation and she's headed off somewhere and she's beelining to get to a person she needs to talk to now. And that would be... Min. Yeah. She's going to Rand. So she's got to have a conversation with her. Along her way through Saladar to find Min, we get some other little nuggets of information. Prologue does nuggets. One, the reminder that Gareth Bryn, the former leader of the armed forces in Camelin, uh, is now here in Saladar and is raising up Saladar's army for the sisters. Elaine knows him because, you know, he was always around in Camelin when she was a little girl. He was a little more than just around, though. What was his history there? Uh, he might have been shacking up with her mom and the captain of her guard at the same time. At the love shack. Yeah. Elaine has been revealing, uh, we learn, discoveries to the Aes Sedai sisters, things she and Nynaeve are figuring out, and it's been raising up their, their status amongst the sisters. Now, most of what they're sharing, they've actually been eking out of Mogidian, but they most. play it off as, this is something we figured out, and they're like, ooh. Every now and then, there is a little bit of something, and I kind of hone back to the fact that, like, Elaine's pretty clever. She kind of figured out some of how the Adam was working and these various things. She does figure things out. And even off of Mogidian's information, sometimes figures things out for herself. One of the most impressive things Elaine figured out for herself was how to make Terangrial. And she is a celebrity for this because no one's been able to do this since the Age of Legends. It's a lost art. And she's trying to help others learn how to do this. Elaine's actually kind of frustrated with herself because, you know, for every five attempts she makes, maybe one of them works and maybe doesn't even work real well. But the other eyes to die are like, girl, no one's been able yeah. to do this at all. Everyone's You're like, fine. look, you at 20% is better than 3000 years at 0%. Yes. Yes. Now, a lot of the discoveries that Nynaeve and Elaine have made through Mogedian, they actually haven't passed along. Yeah. They're only giving the things they figure won't hurt them. So the like, will one help, of the things they... be suspicious. One of the things they've learned is how to invert a weave. And this one, no problem. We'll share this with everybody. Do you remember, can you tell people what inverting a weave does? I mean, uh, to put it very basically, it hides it. It makes it invisible to people who are 
channeling. Usually you can see leaves right. that are there. Even if you like tie them off, you can just see them floating around. But if you invert it, it just kind of flips it inside out and oop, you can't see it. It's invisible now. Yeah. They have learned how to hide your ability to channel. Because that's something we learned all the way back in the eye of the world. A channeler mm -hmm. can sense other people who can channel. But there is a way you can hide that. They're not that sharing is this one. huge. It is huge. Why haven't they shared this one, though? There's a specific reason. I don't know off the top of my head. I think they should have. Yeah. Well, no, there's a huge reason they haven't. Mogidian is using it. <laughs> yeah. If they reveal how to sense when somebody can channel but is hiding it they could find mogidian right there in the camp and salad or the gig is up the jig see, is up the jig, jig is up yeah so i hear no. you i see you both of them have had enough time with the sean chan they should understand the clear and present danger and going hey maybe being able to hide the fact that you can channel would be a good thing mm, yeah maybe they're not thinking that far ahead unfortunately they probably should They've also learned how to mask your appearance, which is what Mogidian's doing all the time. She doesn't look like Mogidian. She looks like someone else. That's a weave that has been inverted, and they're not showing how to do that. Uh, they've also learned how to do compulsion. They're not using that one. They all they're agree this is... And they're not going to totally teach people it either. But yeah, they're not sharing because... I mean, oh yeah, we figured out how to use compulsion. Uh, that'll go over like a lead brick. That being yeah, said, no they're still going to keep it in their back pocket. And this is that little bit of like, I hate comparing them here, but it's a little Leandrini of like, mm -hmm. if you've got that little tool, having it to be able to use it, but not share with others can help. You probably won't use it very often, but it's so tempting if it's really, really important to maybe use it. We learned that many sisters, because of these discoveries, are quite impressed with Elaine. Sort of Nynaeve, but not as much because of Nynaeve's block that they're all aware of. She's got to get over that block. And they're, they're trying to see she gets through that block. But Elaine, there's no block. They're like, you need to be raised up to Aes Sedai. And so as she's going across the camp, she does run into two of these Aes Sedai who, you know, have a quick conversation with her and they point blank say it. As soon as we're there, we get you tested. We get you on that oath rod. You should be full sister. That's cool. They're also like, now don't let your head swell, but quit beating yourself up for, you know, having some struggles with Terra on Grials. You're doing awesome. Now, I think there's a little bit of a funky, interesting thing here um, that we won't really see until later on. And so I won't go into the specifics. Um, however, while the oath rod is necessary to raise sisters and that's a whole thing and it's like yeah we're gonna wait because of that there doesn't seem to be any emphasis on actually like preparing elaine or Nynaeve to be tested to raise um so it kind of feels empty when some of the sisters say this it's like yeah this should be a thing that happens but no one's actually moving towards that there's no point in preparing someone until they actually have the chance to be able to do it is what they're thinking I think that's an excuse. Ha. Uh, Elaine, another thing we learn, in, in, this is in her thoughts, she's committed to being Green Asha now. Okay, This comes from her thoughts because they just talked about we need to get you raised to full sister. Now, she definitely needs to be Green Asha is in her mind. Why? Two reasons. One, she would like to marry a warder. Uh, most notably, Rand as her warder. Um, okay. Two, she's already got a warder. 
and greens are the only ones who take two. Now, That's right. She's not supposed to have one, and it's Ooh. very hush-hush. Very few people know she has one, but Bergita has been bonded with the Warder Bond. It already yeah. exists. And of course, Oops. flashback, Elaine did that to her to save her life. Yeah. And it worked. Yeah. But it's still illegal. Yeah. For Bad reason. things would happen to Elaine if, if it gets discovered Bergita is her bonded warder. It's Which, like, notably, we haven't even gotten to that in the Wheel of Time TV show. Um, but Rach and I have already been talking a little bit about warder bonds and things, especially as uh-huh. we've seen it. She also agrees. It's kind of rapey. Hmm. If it's done against someone's will. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, what else do they need to keep secret about Brigida, by the way? She might be a hero of the horn and like that's not okay. And like <laughs> usually they get born and normal. But hey, of course, they can shunt her into the real world for the world of dreams. Oh, and oh, hey, the heroes of the horn chill and tell her on Riyadh. I guess that's a thing people don't know. There's so many secrets. And Elaine is feeling the weight of that. I mean, I Sedai keep secrets all the time. But the more they get embedded into this stuff, Nynaeve and Elaine find they have to be keeping so many secrets. Ugh. Elaine is certain that as she and Nynaeve have revealed some of their discoveries, some of these Aes Sedai aren't surprised. They're like, like they knew some of these things already. Which again, secrets everywhere. We're revealing these new things we learned from a Forsaken, and some of you already knew how to do this and just Don't didn't worry. tell anybody. It's like, Elaine, ah! some of those are probably Black Aja, but that's a secret too. There is no Black Aja. Exactly. Elaine finally finds Min, who's glad to see her, sort of. See, Min just learned earlier this morning that she's going to be going to Rand, and she's been like, I need to go tell Elaine. This is awkward now. Ah. Uh. And, and she was like, what do I say to her? How do I approach her? So, okay, relief. You're here. Now we have to talk. She shares, yeah, Swan's sending me to her to spy on Rand, to report back. Then she even gave me names that I, in Camelin that I, part of the Eyes and Ears network, I can report to these people. And Lane's response is, and you won't, of course, which men you can just see relieved. You know, of nice course not. Hey, they're on the same page here. Uh, we're going to use that excuse to get there. But yeah, no, we're, we're team Rand, man. Side. We're team Rand. Yeah. Now we're reminded here, Min and Elaine have actually grown very close. They're mm-hmm. like sisters. They happen to both love Rand. There's a little awkwardness with that, but they don't want that to come between them. They genuinely care for each other. They are tight. But right and now, Elaine's feeling a little jealousy. Truthfully, both of them could use some time amongst the Aiel, where we've already seen a custom and culture that prioritizes your sisters over the person you're with. And then even is like, hey, you want to be with me? You got to be with my sister, too. Now, again, Elaine is reminded of secrets because men's talent, which we've already talked about. Mm -hmm. No one in the Aes Sedai camp knows about that talent, except again, Nynaeve and Elaine and Swan and Liana. They're the only ones that know about this. Brigida doesn't even know. But Min doesn't know about Brigida. She literally makes a comment about Brigida. You know, does she really think she's like Brigida, the hunter, the, the hero of the horn? Don't worry, I mean, Min. She doesn't think weird. she's like the hero of the horn. No, <laughs> she doesn't. And Min, they haven't brought her into the circle of knowledge about Mogedian. Doesn't know. <sighs> Secrets. But Elaine then does ask Min to do something. Okay, fine. You're going to get to go be with Rand. I want to be with Rand. I can't. Will you take a letter to him? 
Yeah, <laughs> my first letters have was worked out so well for you in the past. You want to send two? Letter. You want to send two letters? You're telling totally different messages? Oh my goodness. Min's like, of course I will. Elaine does ask something else of Min. She says, you know, you told me about that viewing thing where three women are going to all be connected to him, all love him. Don't tell Rand that. <laughs> don't don't tell that. I mean, he doesn't need to know that. That's probably not good. For, it'll go right to his head. Which one? Oh, dude. Whoa. I am not. <laughs> okay, I got to say that. I'm not touching this. <laughs> uh... I've been now, waiting again, on that all episode. Yeah. Now, Min and Elaine, they are two of these three. They still don't know who the third will be. Of course, we know who the third is. But Min assures her, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, it's hard to know how Rand would react, but we'll we'll keep that between us. Now we jump to one more point of view. This is the last one we're going to cover from the prologue today. And this is Fael. <gasps> we had no parent or Fael in our last book. We get it right away in the prologue, though. Look, to Fael be fair, is here. Am I excited to see Fael? Eh. <laughs> am I excited to see the two rivers and Perrin, probably? Yeah. We very quickly get to see this is a changed a transformed two rivers. We're in Emmons Field, and Fael is holding court. Interesting. In a large manor house that's still under construction, bigger than anything else in Emmons Field. The previous biggest thing was the Wine Spring Inn. Then this is bigger. And Fael Nibashir Tiabara is seen as the Lady of the Two Rivers, as mm. Perrin is seen as the Lord. And she's holding court. People are bringing concerns, questions, things that need a decision made to her. And Perrin's seat right next to her is empty, mm. which irks her a little bit. But he does not like being viewed as the Lord of the Two Rivers. No, so, it's a whole thing where she has been like, yeah, we saved ourselves. We did all this, all that. And like, I'm an outsider, but also like, I love you. We're married, all this stuff. And you should be in charge of all this. And Perrin's like, I don't want too she and keeps like, working in the background to finagle him into positions where he has to make a choice where he's acting on his responsibilities and anytime he can get out of it he does and to be fair to her it's not just her manipulations literally all of the two rivers is also going yeah lord perrin this makes sense we want this it's not hard work for her save for manipulating him into positions i mean Perrin is so annoyed at his Taviranness. He literally will make a suggestion to somebody and they take it as an order. Yes, my lord. Yeah. And it's like, stop no. it. He is but stubborn like, as That's a young right bull. All right. We learn some things of what's taken place since we were last with them. Emmonsfield, okay. the two rivers, they have swelled in population size due to refugees. Mm. I mean, there were a lot of people killed when the Trollocs and Merdral invaded. But now there's even more people in the area because of this inswell. Where have most of them come? It's from the west, the west of the continent. What's driving them this way, Zach? There's a couple of things. And we got to go back through a little bit of some history here. We go back to the beginning of the books. We've got this war in Gildan. That was all low gain and all that mess. There's a lot of civil unrest even from that still that's driving a lot of people. Then we fast forward in time and we go, hey, the Shan Chan invaded. And that was problematic, but there was also actually some stability until Rand blew it up in the sky. And now we've got a 
bunch of people who are like, hey, I guess it's open season to call this no man's land ours now. And the common people get caught in the middle and often go, uh, nope, I'm out. But yeah. then we also go, hey, there's also this whole mess of the prophet and the white cloaks. And some people aren't really interested in that. And so it's a mass exodus from a lot of different places so that not any one place is losing everyone. But right. a lot of places are losing enough people that the two rivers is more than at capacity. And the two rivers has something that a lot of those other lands don't have right now. Two rivers? Safety. No, they all have rivers. Oh, okay. But there's safety, okay? There is a lord and lady in charge yeah. protecting them. There is governance that's working. There's, there's... Even the establishment of, hey, we don't just theoretically protect you. We fought off a whole bunch of Trollocs. We literally protected this area. So as these people come into the area and they hear about Lord Perrin and Lady Fayil, they're like more than happy to offer their allegiance. You and have it, provided a safe haven. We will do whatever you say. Let us stay. on the reputation of Menetherin that a lot of people have forgotten about, but they love to have this ooh, legendary old empire that we could be a part of. That's shiny and not uh -huh. new, but cool. To work to make things stay safe, there have continued to be patrols up into the mountains of mist, the outlying regions of the two rivers, hunting down Trollocs. They don't find many anymore. Merdral are gone, but they do find a stray Trolloc still and, you know, take care of them. Uh, they're keeping people safe. So the refugees love being here. They're stepping into all the holes that were left. So like farms that have been burned to the ground or abandoned and all the people from those farms are dead now. Refugees are moving in. There's less people to do the work that's needed. Well, now all these people running businesses have a lot of new apprentices and, and mm -hmm. people signing on. Um, there's even new innovations coming. This is one of the things Fayil deals with when she's holding court. Good old Sen Bui comes you know, the Thatcher comes mm -hmm. before her, wanting her to fix a problem. Well, apparently one of the guys who's come in from out of the area is an expert at building slate roofs. This is competition. Sen Bui is not happy. It's uh, also Fayil's better like, than Thatch. Fayil's like, free market, dude. But she doesn't just say that. She says, you know, Lord Perrin and I did choose Thatch for the manor house. We're showing you our support and respect. Yes, my lady. Thank you, my lady. But that stupid slate guy, calm down. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is the kind of things that are happening. There's new people making fabric here that they never used to have. You know, the stout two willen wools. Oh, now there's fancier stuff. There's all sorts of innovations coming with these refugees. It's not the two rivers that the Emmonsfield Five left once upon a time. No, but it does make a nice case for the benefits of taking in refugees, immigrants, and the new things that they can bring to your culture. It's true. Um, other changes. Uh, Days Conger is the wisdom in Emmonsfield. Not naive anymore. And there are new wisdoms in actually each of the towns now. And those are people that Fayil works with to kind of try to manage things, keep things all positive and going the right directions. Uh, the Two Rivers is definitely rebuilding. They're working very hard at it. And Perrin and Fayil are seen by all as the ones who are in charge. But Fayil is the one doing most of the work to keep up appearances. 
Yeah. They have lost some of the young men of the village, but now I'm not talking about people who died to the Trollocs. I'm talking about the ones who survived, the ones who were riding out to battle with Perrin, and now that things have calmed down, they want more of what Perrin got. There's so, a little bit of Perrin went off and saw the world, and, well, didn't Matt and Rand go with? And even for that extent, where did Egwene, Nynaeve go? They want their own adventures. Yes, yeah, so that's become a thing now. People never used to leave the Two Rivers. Okay, some of these younger guys, they're out testing the waters. They're exploring the world. And I'm sure some of them will do great, and I'm sure some of them will die horrible deaths. Most probably. There is a concern in the Two Rivers over the odd weather. There's been no precipitation. At this point in the year where we're at, the first snows should have come up in the mountains, and there's nothing. It's completely dry. Everyone's kind of concerned about that. Global warming is a big problem, guys. Two other little tidbits we get here before we get to move on to Perrin is that uh, Aram, the former Tuatha'an tinker who picked up a sword during the, the Trolloc attacks, he's training hard now with Tam Thor, learning everything he can about the sword. He is all in. He has left his tinker roots behind. I feel but like the Tuatha'an, those tinkers... Yeah, They are still there. They have a camp outside of Emmons Field. They haven't gone anywhere, but Aram and them, there is a divide. I feel like saying Tuathawan Tinker is a bit of an oxymoron. Like, it's the same thing twice, but one of them's kind of pejorative. I didn't call them a Tuathawan Tinker. I said Tuathawans, the Tinkers. You I, called I used both Aram the Tuathawan Tinker. Not to my knowledge. I may be stumbled over my words, but let's not get stuck in that. <laughs> the last tidbit was Loyal. Loyal's still around. He's become a big favorite of the children of Emmons Field. You know, at oh, first yeah, people were like, really oh, good. big no, monster. He's really good at uppies. At what? Uppies. Uppies. <laughs> what he's noted in the book, yeah, is he's good at story time. Yeah. He's constantly seen reading books to the kids. He loves his That's books. That's adorable. He knows his stories, and he's got a really good gravelly, rumbly voice that just is really soothing to listen to. A little berry white for them. You I'm, have no idea what that means. He has plenty of patience for the children. Okay. Now, at this point, holding court is over for the day. Fayil goes upstairs in the manor house, up to the third floor, where she finds Perrin. Out in a balcony, overlooking the town. He's actually watching Aram and his training with Tam. They have a little discussion. And Perrin shares, he's troubled right now because he senses Rand needs him. She realizes he's saying this in a way that this is a Taviran thing. He's feeling So she's like, so what are you going to do about it? He says, well, I need to go to him. And then he shares, now, don't worry, I've made arrangements so that, you know, Master Althor, Master Coffin, that will be here to support you, help you with the mares from the various other towns. You will be in great shape. I'm not just abandoning you. I've set things up. And she's like, she doesn't say it this way, but she's basically like, you idiot. I'm coming with yeah. you. Parent, you there's no way you're leaving me. Nothing from Tyr to sending her away when the Trollocs <laughs> were attacking. Literally every time in your relationship, you guys are married now. Every time you're like, I got to go do this thing. Or you should get out of here because I have to stay and do this thing. It's well meant. It really is. We see that. But she's right. You're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it's end of conversation, though. 
he's at least maybe learning that. Okay, she's coming with. And that's where we're going to stop for today. We're a little more than halfway through the prologue, but there's some stuff coming up we can't just fly through. So we will save the rest for our next episode. Uh, This is where we're going to say if you're a first-time reader, don't stick around. Carrie, this is where you got to jump out. You're not far enough along yet. Don't stay, because we're going to spoil a couple of things now. Full book spoil as we move into the spoiler room. First-time listeners, thanks for being with us today, and we'll talk to you next time. For us... Bye. There she goes. For us, let's play the graphic. The spoiler room. All right. Let's see who's going to go first. I'm rolling my shiny little one. I got a nice little one. It's got a dragon inside of it. There it is. There it is. Here we go. (laughs) I think that means I'm going to go first. Yeah, I got a four. I got a 15. Yeah, you're definitely going first. Which thing you want to spoil? And let's make it quick because this is a long episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had a thing. Oh, I'm going to spoil a thing that has nothing, almost nothing, to do with what we talked about, except for the fact that we talked about there being a vacuum in the advisors, especially Rand's uh, Aes Sedai advisors. So I'm actually going to talk about the show for a second here while I say they have been name-dropping Cad Swain so hard this season. Oh, she's we coming. go an episode yep. without her name getting dropped once or twice. If we don't see her by some time late next season i'm shocked but realistically season four she's got to be a main player already because she is a main player in these books coming back from her retirement being that new moraine figure with a bit of a twist her own flair and style now you did watch episode seven right yes i am caught up i'm awesome uh your mother hasn't yet we're gonna watch it later today but uh that was good that was really good Okay, so that's yours. Uh, mine, I'm going to go tag off of Perrin, feeling the Taviran tug. This mm. isn't the only time we've heard such things, and we'll have more times where Matt or Perrin realize they need to go to Rand. They need to be there to help. But this one, the payoff's the end of the book. I told you guys earlier, he's feeling the need to be there because Dumas Wells is coming, my friends. He knows what's going to happen. He doesn't know what, but he knows something's going to happen to Rand or something is going on where Rand is going to need Perrin there. And when Perrin comes through, it's a big way, but it's foreshadowed right here. I need to get to Rand. My buddy needs me. Love it. Okay, there we go. That's what we got here for today. Let me run our outro, which I still haven't updated the sound on, but you know, it's 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 there. It is what it is. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We're loving all the interaction we're having with people. So here's the reminders of the ways to do it. Uh, Liking and subscribing the video is a huge plus. We appreciate it. But find us on Discord. Come see us on social media. Join us on Patreon, like Carrie, where she's here with us interacting live and making our episodes better. We have fun with people who want to be part of this. And uh, we appreciate the financial support helping us pay for all this that we do. Want to say anything else, Zach? Come see us. I'm real. (laughs) Thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you next time. He's a real boy. (laughs) 